The Sangha is invited to come back to our breathing so that the collective energy of mindfulness can bring us together as an organism, flowing as a river with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, listen as one body, chant as one body, transcending the boundaries of a delusive self, liberating us from the superiority complex the inferiority complex, and the inequality complex. Okay.
is a Dharma talk for children today. So the children are invited to come close to the I want to be sure that everyone here hear me. So please, uh, if you uh, hear me, please raise your hand. Thank you. Those. Uh, <laughs> can you hear me? It's okay. Good morning, dear, dear friends. Today is uh, the 13th of August in the year 2013. You hear me? <laughs> and we are on our third day of the retreat. Happy teachers will change the world. Everyone here? Well enough? I had a dream about 20 years ago. I'm going to tell you that about that dream. I have come to understand most of, uh, of it, but maybe uh, you can help me to understand it uh, more fully. About 20 years ago, I dreamt I was uh, a university student, about 20 year, 21 years old. At that time, I was more above 60. <laughs> and yet, I, uh, I dreamt to be a young student in a university. And I learned that uh, I was accepted <clears throat> to be in a class of a very uh, illustrated teacher professor of the university. It's very rare that you are selected in order to be in his class. The most uh, prestigious uh, professor in the university. And I was told that uh, I had to report, uh, I had to go to that uh, class right that day. So I was uh, inquiring about the location, the place where I should go to in order to meet the professor and to follow the class. And I asked, uh, I stopped by the office and I asked uh, the secretary and she showed me the way to go to that class. And I, when I was trying to to enter the door, I saw a young man who looked exactly like me. 
exactly 100% like me, and who, tried, who was trying to, to go through that door also. And I wonder whether he was also accepted to the class. I was very curious to know whether that young man, who looked exactly like me, was, uh, <laughs> was accepted into that class. So I inquired about uh, it with the secretary. And she said, that, that young man? No. No. Him? No. You, yes, but him, no. <laughs> Very much later on, about uh, three weeks after the dream, I, I tried to figure, figure it out. And I thought that uh, I had undergone some kind of transformation. So I left behind myself. So the young man that looked exactly uh, like myself. He was my, he had been myself. So he was not accepted anymore and I am, I was accepted. I was another person and I left myself behind. And that is the way I understood uh, the dream uh, after a few weeks. So I've tried to find my way to up in order to, to be present on time at the class. And when I opened the door and go went in, I was so amazed. I had imagined that there uh, only 20 or 30 students in that class, but there were thousands of them in that class. And I looked around, I saw through the windows a very beautiful uh, Peaks of mountains full of snow, so beautiful. It was like I was in uh, heaven, in the pure land of the Buddha. And that professor may be the Buddha. And I forgot, I forgot to tell you that uh, half my way, I inquire about the class. What he sees, what is he uh, teaching? What kind of subject that he's taught? <laughs> and they said, music. I was very surprised. I, I was not a student of music at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I was accepted into this uh, prestigious uh, class of music. I was so embarrassed. And uh, finally, I came uh, to that uh, class. I opened the door and got in, and I saw so many of them. <coughs> and then the worst thing is that uh, someone came to me and said that today you have to make a presentation. You are the first to make a presentation in front of the professor and in front of all the other students. I was so embarrassed. I'm, I was not a student of music and I have no instrument with me. 
so I, I, I try to look into my pocket. That's kind of uh, habit energy to find out something. And suddenly, I touch a small bell in my pocket. And when I, I brought out my small bell, I regained my confidence. Me, using the bell, I can do it. Uh, I have been learning how to, how to use the bell since I was ordained as uh, a novice monk at the age of 16. So at least I know how to, how to use the bell. So I, am go, I was going to demonstrate as how to use the bell to the whole class. So all my worries just vanished. I was very confident that with that small bell, I can do something. And then people say that the professor is coming. And yeah, we will we'll prepare in order to see him. But at that exact moment, I woke up. I woke up. I woke up. I did not see the, pres- the, the professor. I spent a lot of time thinking Figuring, figure, trying to figure out what is the meaning of that dream. You know, as a novice monk, I had to learn uh, how to use uh, not only the bell, the small bell, but the big bell, and this uh, huge bell. And we had to learn how to use the drum, the, the wood drum. We had to uh, chant. So, we had been learning music also, not only Buddhism, but uh, that kind of music that can help us to, to, to feel more peaceful, calmer, and happier. And uh, I should tell you that I have been uh, using the bell in the last uh, 71 years. In order to use the bell well, you need to be a bell master. And I want to tell you today how to be a bell master, a good bell master. A bell master is the one in charge of inviting the bell to sound. And you have to be very peaceful, very concentrated in order to produce a sound that is uh, of good quality. And I have been trained to be a bell master in the last 71 years. And I think I know how to invite the bell to sound. You don't say hitting the bell. You don't say striking the bell. That is too violent. We say, inviting the bell to sound. There is the bell, and there is the inviter. This is not a stick, but the inviter of the bell. So, if the passion invite the bell to sound, the bell is like a Buddha, a tiny Bodhisattva that help us to wake up and to breathe, and to calm ourselves. You know when someone is calm, 
when someone is peaceful, there is no violence, there is a compassion. That is why we, very like, we like very much to come and close and sit down near that person, a person who has calm and peace. Such a person is very pleasant to be with. I want you to, to learn how to invite the bell and breathe so that you can become such a person, a person who is calm, who is peaceful, who is pleasant to be with. And that is why the first thing we do is look at the bell as a friend who helps us to go home to ourselves and become calm and peaceful. That is why before you invite the bell to sound, you have to bow to the bell. Bow to the bell. Mm -hmm. And if it is uh, that little bell, you call it a mini bell, the bell has also a cushion. The bell practice sitting meditation also. You can, you can allow the bell to sit on uh, her own cushion and invite the bell to sound. But in the case, um, you like to put it on the palm of your left hand, you can do that. And I raise my hand up to this level, and I imagine that my hand is a lotus flower a lotus flower with five petals. And this is a jewel in the heart of a flower. It's very beautiful. Omani Padmehum means all the jewel in the heart of a lotus flower. And then if you want to be a bell master and you have to practice breathing in and out two times, there is a verse that you have to learn by heart in order to breathe so that you can calm down and become qualified as a bell master. And that gata, that verse is like this. Body, speech, and mind in perfect oneness. I send my heart along with the sound of this bell. May the hearers awaken from their forgetfulness and transcend the path of anxiety and sorrow. Four lines. And the first line, is for your in-breath. The second line is for your out-breath. The third line is for your in-breath. And the fourth line is for your out-breath also. So please memorize. At that time, uh, we did not have the English version of it. We did not even have uh, a Vietnamese version of it. We had only a classical Chinese version of it. And we had to memorize uh, the Chinese uh, uh, version. Body, speech, and mind in perfect oneness. You bring your mind, your body, and your speech together, so are you concentrated. Body, speech, and mind in perfect oneness. I send my heart along with the sound of this bell. You have to put your heart into 
into the bell, into the sound of the bell. The, the sound of the bell should have a good quality. It should have peace, love in it. May the hearers, may those of you who listen to me, awaken from their forgetfulness. Forgetfulness is the, the opposite of mindfulness. You are distracted. You are not concentrated. You are not there. You are in forgetfulness. But when you breathe in mindfully, forgetfulness is gone. And you are mindful. You are concentrated. May the hearers awaken from their forgetfulness and transcend the path of anxiety and sorrow. And after you have breathed in and out two times like that, you are calm and you are qualified to invite the bell to sound. You are now a bell master. And then the first thing you do is to offer a half sound like this. That is not a real sound. It's not a full sound. It is a half sound. And the purpose of that half sound is to warn everyone that a full sound is going to happen very soon. So that everyone has the time to prepare themselves for the reception of the full sound of the bell. And you have to be compassionate. You have to, to give people enough time to prepare. They have to stop the thinking. They have to stop the talking. They have to relax the body in order to be ready to receive uh, the full sound of the bell. Because uh, the full sound of the bell is like the voice of the Buddha calling us home to ourselves. That is why we have to be very respectful when we listen to the voice of the Buddha. So you make a half sound. Everyone knows that very soon a full sound of bell is going to happen. And you allow people to have at least uh, 10 seconds to prepare themselves. Maybe 6 seconds for breathing in, five, 4 seconds for breathing in, and 6 seconds for breathing out. That is a good time for people to prepare themselves to stop thinking, to stop talking, and to stop being tense in order to get ready to receive the voice of the Buddha. Half sound. And then you invite the full sound. And with the full sound, everyone has an opportunity to enjoy breathing in and breathing out three times, very deep. And they bring a lot of peace and calm and joy into themselves. And uh, when you hear this, the full sound, you begin to breathe in and you say, I listen, I listen. 
You are listening very deeply. You allow the sound of the bell to penetrate into your body, every cell of your body. I listen, I listen. That takes about three or four seconds. And when you breathe out, you say, this wonderful sound brings me back to my true home. This wonderful sound brings me back to my true home. And it, it, it takes about five or six seconds in order to enjoy breathing out. And if you do it well, and then peace, calm, and joy will be available in your body, in your mind. I listen. I listen. This wonderful sound brings me back to my true home. My true home is in the here and the now. Many wonders of life are there. The sunshine, the trees, the birds, the sky, everyone, everything. And that is why um, it is my true home. My true home is in the here and the now. And you have a chance to breathe three times like that. I listen, I listen. This wonderful sound brings me back to my two homes. And you have to allow people enough time to enjoy three deep in-breaths and three deep out-breaths. And because you are young, and that is why your in-breath and out-breath are shorter than the in-breath and out-breath of adult. So that is why after you have finished your three in-breath and out-breath, you give them some extra times, maybe 10 more seconds. Be generous as a bell master. Allow people enough time to enjoy deeply the three in-breath and out-breath. And you know that is a practice of peace. If you do it, uh, if you have the habit of doing that, and then three in-breath and out-breath can bring a lot of peace, calm, and joy, and relaxation to us. So you finish your three in-breath and out-breath and give them ex- 10 extra uh, seconds. You count one, two, three, or you breathe in and out another time. Instead of three times, you do four times. And then you offer the second full bow, so full sound. so pleasant, and you give them 10 extra seconds, and you invite the bell for the third time. After that, you finish your task as a bell master. You lower the bell, and you put it on its own cushion, and you bow. As for the big, uh, big bell, I cannot put it on my hand. <laughs> it's so heavy. So I hold this inviter and put my left hand and my hand, light right hand like that, and I and I practice breathing. Body, speech, and mind in perfect oneness. 
I send my heart along with the sound of this bell. May all of you who listen to me awaken from your forgetfulness and transcend the path of anxiety and sorrow. And I go hold the inviter and make a half sound. And allow people to have enough time to prepare themselves before I invite the bell to emit a full sound. Very gentle, not violent at all. You have the sound, have the bell to emit the sound. You don't hurt the bell. And that is why the line is not directly like this. It is like this. a lot of uh, peace and calm and joy to everyone. So now I would like to uh, conclude and I will lend you this mini bell to practice today. Everyone should learn how to be a bell master because when you go home I like you to to arrange so that in your home there is a place for a bell. And in the morning, before going off to to the school, you sit down with your parents and enjoy breathing in and out three times. You begin your day with peace and joy. And in the evening, before going to sleep, you sit down with your parents and enjoy three times of breathing nine in-breath, nine out-breath with the three sounds of the bell. This is wonderful. It's wonderful to bring peace into your home, your family. And you need only a little bell. You don't need that big bell. Mm. And every time the atmosphere in the family is not peaceful enough, daddy is a little bit irritated, or mommy is crying, it's time for you to go to the bell and breathe and invite the bell to sound. Daddy and mommy will breathe in and out and will feel much better after three sounds of the bell. I want you to do that. Bring peace into your family. When there is no problem, the bell helps help us to be more peaceful, happier, more concentrated. And when there is some, uh, some problem, Someone is angry, someone is crying. And breathing with the bell three times will bring peace and harmony into the family. I'll come up there and, uh, and draw the sounds of the bell.
So holding the bell, you practice uh, breathing according to the poem, the verse. This half is the in-breath, and this half is out-breath. Body, speech, and mind in perfect oneness, I send my heart along with the sound of this bell. May those of you who listen to me awaken from your forgetfulness and transcend the path of anxiety and sorrow. And then you offer the half sound. After half, after So after you have uh, uh, offered a half sound, you give people enough time for one in-breath and one out-breath so that they can prepare themselves for the reception of the full sound, right? One in-breath and one out-breath before you invite the bell for the first full sound. And after the first full sound, everyone is practicing. I listen, I listen. This wonderful sound bring me back to my true home. I listen, I listen. This wonderful sound bring my, me back to my true home. But there are other verses, like uh, breathing in, I feel alive, breathing out. I smile to life in me and around me. There are so many beautiful gathas to use. I listen, I listen. This wonderful sound brings me back to my true home. You have finished your three in-breath and out-breath, and you give people another extra 10 seconds so that they can enjoy deeply the three in-breath and out-breath. And then you invite the, the bell for the second time, the full sound, and then everyone will enjoy breathing in, breathing out three times. And then the third sound, the third full sound, followed by three in-breath and out-breath. And then you put the bell down. You have finished your duty as a bell master. So hopefully today you will uh, learn well and everyone can become a young uh, bell master. Thank you. When you hear the small bell, stand up and salute the Sangha before you go out and continue your practice.
During one of my visits to India, I met uh, Mr. Narayan, who was uh, a chairman of the National Assembly of India. And I proposed that uh, they practice uh, the bell of mindfulness in the Congress, in the House of Congress, the House of Parliament because uh, very often the atmosphere in the the house got very hot (laughs) and nobody is listening to to nobody else. It's very difficult to handle. So during a meeting with him, I proposed uh, two things. The first thing is that uh, beginning a session, uh, someone should read a meditation something like this. Uh, We have been uh, elected by our people to combine our uh, wisdom and experiences to make the kind of uh, law that can uh, help uh, the country to be more peaceful, happier, more harmonious. And that is why we should uh, try our best to listen to each other's the practice of uh, loving speech and deep listening so that we can serve our people much better. So read uh, some uh, text like that. And it is possible not to use any uh, religious terms uh, in, the, in the text that everyone can agree. That is kind of meditation, uh, bringing the practice of uh, deep listening and loving speech into the Congress so that everyone can listen and understand better. And then every time the atmosphere in the house becomes very hot, and then the shared person has the right to use the bell of mindfulness. When the bell of mindfulness is heard, everyone in the house should stop talking, shouting, and listen and breathe in and out and try to restore peace. And Mr. Narayan was very uh, excited about the proposals. But unfortunately, a month after that, well, he was elected president of uh, India. So he had to leave the house. But during that month, he was able to uh, set up an ethic committee 
in the house led by the former prime minister uh, to take care of the spiritual dimension uh, of the life in the Congress. I think in our family, uh, we have to discuss with our children about the practice of the bell of mindfulness. We choose happy moments and discuss with our children that uh, when there is not enough peace in the family, anyone in the family has the right to go to the bell and practice breathing in and out three times before inviting the bell to sound. And that go help father, mother, and children. And we train children when they cry, when they are angry, uh, and if they hear the bell, they should know how to go back to the, the in-breath and out-breath in order to breathe in and out. And they will sign in the Treaty of Peace with their parents. In every house we can arrange so that we ha- have a, uh, a, a place for sitting and breathing. It does not need to be a big uh, room large enough for a few cushions for father, mother, uh, one or two children, and maybe one cushion for a guest, one or two for a guest. And it's nice to start the day with uh, sitting together and practice uh, mindful breathing to, to have more peace and joy and harmony and togetherness together. And in the evening, before the children go to sleep, parents can sit down with them and practice uh, mindful breathing. That's beautiful. And every time the, the atmosphere in the family is not uh, calm enough, harmonious enough, and then even the children have the right to invite the bell. I know that many children um, suffer so much when the tension between uh, Father and mother uh, was so uh, so strong, and they did not like that. And many of them take refuge in the bathroom. That's a tragedy. So instead of uh, going to take refuge in the bathroom, they go to the breathing room, that mini meditation hall in the house, and sit down and uh, and uh, breathe, invite the bell to sound. I think that is uh, civilization. There is uh, a habit energy in every one of us. We are used to run. We are not capable of uh, stopping and enjoying the present moment. And we know in principle that life is available only in the present moment. And yet, we are used to run. That is why walking meditation is a wonderful way to learn how to stop. Your destination is in every step. You touch life deeply with every step and all the wonders of life. And that is why the word I have arrived can be very helpful. I have arrived. I am home. And learn a new habit of, uh, of go home to the present moment in order to live your life more deeply.
So we can begin slow walking meditation when we are alone. We choose a, a distance of three or four meters only, and we try to to go slowly, one in breath and one step. I have arrived. I am home. And uh, if you have not arrived 100% in the here and now, stay there. Do not make in another step. Challenge yourself. And breathe out and breathe in again until you feel that you have arrived 100% in the here and now. And then you smile, a smile of victory, and you make the second step. I am home. And that is to learn a new energy, new habit, a new habit, the habit of living in the present moment. Because that uh, habit energy has been transmitted to us by our parents, by by our ancestors. There is a belief that happiness is not possible right now, right here. We don't know why. And that is why we always try to run into the future and get some more conditions of happiness. We don't believe that we have had already enough conditions of happiness. So every step helps us to stop. Stop running. Because we have the habit of running even during our sleep. We try to run, to look for something always. And therefore, the habit energy is very strong. And the practice of mindfulness is to become aware of that habit energy. Smile to it. And when you recognize the habit energy and smile to it, the habit energy cannot push you anymore. Yesterday we spoke about uh, watering the good seeds in us. We have a list of 20 of uh, 51 mental formations. 
the Dharma teachers of Plum Village can provide you with a list of these uh, mental formations. Formation is a technical term. Anything is a formation, like uh, a flower, Many non-flower elements have come together and help the flower to manifest as a flower. So a flower is a formation, is a physical formation. My hand is a, a physiological formation. My anger is a mental formation. And the practitioner is capable of recognizing a mental formation when it arises. If the mental formation called uh, jealousy is coming up, you say, hello there, I know your name, you are jealousy, I will take good care of you. So it's good to have uh, uh, the list of uh, uh, the mental formations when I was a a student at the Buddhist Institute, we had to learn, uh, memorize these, uh, uh, the names of all these um, mental formations so that uh, we can recognize them uh, every time they come up. Mindfulness is a mental formation. Everyone has a seat of mindfulness. And if we practice uh, diligently, and then the grain, and then the seat of mindfulness in us will grow bigger and bigger. And any time we need that energy of mindfulness, we just touch it, and we have plenty of it in order to make use. And we know that mindfulness has the power, has the capacity, to allow us to know what is going on. Going on in our body, going on in our feelings, going on in our mind, and going on in the world. So mindfulness has four objects. The first object of mindfulness is uh, body. And we have uh, four exercises on mindful breathing in order to take care of our, of our body. And then we have the realm of uh, feelings. And we have uh, another set of, of four to take care of our feelings and emotions. And the third uh, object of our mindfulness is the mind. The mind means uh, the mental formation. The mind is kind of a river, and the mental formations are drops of water. 
succeeding each other and make a, a stream. So to meditate means to sit on the river of the mind and recognize every mental formation as it arises. This is to be aware of our in-breath and out-breath. This is uh, to follow our in-breath and out-breath. This is to be aware of our body. This is uh, to calm our body. This is to generate the joy. This is to generate uh, happiness. This is to be aware of the painful feeling or emotion. And this is to calm down the painful feeling and emotion. So mindfulness has the body as the first object, feelings as the second object, and mind as the third object. And the ninth exercise is to be aware of each mental formation as it is arise. Simple recognition, simple awareness, no attempt to fight or to, to grasp. No grasping, no fighting. Just allow the mental formation to be there and recognize it. Hello, fear. I know you are there. I will take good care of you. So it is uh, useful to have a list of mental formations so that you can uh, recognize them easily, calling them by their true names. And the tenth, uh, the tenth uh, exercise of mindful breathing is to, is to make uh, the landscape of the mind consciousness uh, beautiful, happy. Yesterday, we have seen that uh, consciousness has at least uh, two layers, and the lower layer is store consciousness. And there are good, wholesome seeds down here, and uh, among them, the seed of mindfulness, the seed of concentration, the seed of insight, the seed of understanding, love, non-violent, uh, joy, happiness, and so on. So the practice of the tenth exercise is to help, is to invite these wholesome seeds to manifest. The seed of mindfulness, the seed of concentration, the seed of insight, the seed of understanding, love, compassion. There are many good seeds in us, 
And if we want to be happy, we should learn the art of happiness, watering the good seeds in us. When we come to a retreat like this, we have a chance to water the good seeds. Everything we hear, we see, have the, uh, the function to water the good seeds in us. And that is to gladden our mind, to make the landscape of our mind beautiful. So the first aspect of the practice is to give these beautiful seeds a chance to manifest. If they manifest on the upper of our level of our consciousness, we are happy, we are joyful. So a good practitioner knows how to water the wholesome seeds in him or in her every day. She has to select. Because when you, when you read a magazine, an article magazine, that article may contain a lot of uh, anger, or frustration, or fear. And while you are reading that uh, article, you water the unwholesome seed. They come up and you suffer. So you have to be selective in watering. You try to read only, you try to view only the things that water the good seeds in you. And this we can discuss with our children and students because many of us are intoxicating ourselves every day by unmindful consumption. Even conversation can be very toxic. The other person may talk to us for one hour and what she says is full of anger and fear and despair. And if we listen like that, we water those unwholesome seeds in us and we get sick. And if you are a psychotherapist, protect yourself. Because every day you listen to histories of stories of suffering, you have to establish a balance. You have to go to the Sangha, you have to, uh, to water the good seeds in you, otherwise you cannot continue for a long time. So the good practitioner knows how to water the good seeds and uh, give them a chance to manifest up here on the level of mind consciousness. And she's happy, she's uh, pleasant, and her partner will enjoy that. And the practitioner also knows how to help the other person to do the same. Darling, if you care, you really care for me, don't water the negative seed in me. You know that I have the seed of anger, fear, jealousy, and so on. And if you water these seeds, I will be 
I will suffer. And if I suffer, you have to suffer with me. <laughs> so darling, I promise that I will not water these negative seeds in me. And you have to make the same commitment. You do not water these uh, unwholesome seeds in you. And I make the commitment not to water them in, in you. And you make the commitment not to water this unwholesome seed in me. This is a, a peace uh, treaty. You sign with your partner. And the first step of the practice is called the practice of uh, selective watering or the practice of true diligence is not to give the negative seeds down here a chance. Allow them to sleep quietly down there. If you do love me, please don't water this in me. And I promise that I will not water these unwholesome seeds in you. And the second aspect of the practice is that if by chance, if it happens that one negative seed is water and manifests here as a mental formation, you should know how to help that to go back to its place of origin as quickly as possible. You don't try to suppress. There are many ways. The first, first, the first way is to invite the seed of mindfulness to come to recognize, embrace. And after a few minutes, it will lose some strength and it will go back to the original place here. That is uh, the first uh, method, helping that seed to go back as quickly as possible by the way of recognizing and embracing. This we have talked about yesterday already. The second way is to invite the opposite seed in here to come up. Because you have a seat of anger of violence, but you also have a seat of uh, tenderness, kindness. And when the seat of tenderness and kindness and compassion is invited to come up, their seat will withdraw by itself. It's like uh, a television set with several uh, channels, and up to you to choose. Channel one or channel two. hell or paradise, up to you to choose. Just push on a button. So the first aspect is that uh, the negative sit down here, don't give them a chance in yourself and in the other person. And the second aspect is that if uh, one of them 
happened to manifest here, try to help it to go back as soon as possible. Because the longer it is up here, the bigger it will grow down here at the grassroots level. People who are very angry. But 10 years ago, they were not angry like that. Because the seed of anger in him has been watered every day by himself and by his friends. So that is why not to water the negative seed is a practice. And we have to agree with our partner. Our partner may be our father, our mother, our son, our daughter, our friend. And then the third aspect of the practice is uh, to recognize the good seeds in you and invite them as uh, frequently as possible. Because their presence in the level of uh, mind consciousness will bring you joy, happiness, gladdening our mind. The tenth And when a good seed has manifest up here, we can, we may like to keep it up there as long as possible. May the joy last, que la joie demeure. It's like when you have a a good friend visiting, you like to keep him or her longer with you. The same thing is true with this. If a feeling of joy, feeling of happiness, a feeling of compassion has manifest, try to keep that feeling up there as long as you can. Because uh, the longer they, 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 they remain here, the bigger they will grow down there. At the grassroots level, the good seed will continue to grow. It's like uh, when we come to a retreat of uh, one week, uh, some of the good seeds are water, and if we, uh, we have uh, the retreat extended to two weeks, and then the good seeds will, uh, will grow bigger. So these are four uh, levels or four aspects of the practice. The negative seeds don't give them a chance in me and in you. If they have already a chance to manifest, help them to go home as quickly as possible. The good seeds give them a plenty of chance to manifest. And when they have manifest, keep them up there as long as possible. And that is uh, what we call in Plum Village the practice of selective watering. And you can change the situation very quickly. Even one hour of practice can already change the situation. 
I remember that day was a Vesak day, the anniversary of the birth of the Buddha in Plum Village. And I was giving a talk on the practice of selective watering. And I saw a lady sitting in the, in the audience and she cried from the beginning of the talk to the end. So after finishing the talk, I, I went to him, to, to, to her husband, and I told him, dear friend, your, your flower needs some watering. He understood right away, he understood the teaching, but he did not practice. He needed a, a sangha, he needed a teacher, he needed a friend of practice to remind him of practicing. So after lunch, he was driving home with his wife and practice. He watered the good seeds in her. And when they arrived at their home in Bogdu, which is about one hour of drive, she was completely transformed, very joyful, very happy. And the children were very surprised. It was very quick. The result can come very quickly. Recognize the good seeds in him or in her. Water them, and you see. The transformation can be can happen very, very quickly. The eleven exercise is to practice concentrating on a mental formation. You practice looking deeply into the nature of that uh, mental formation, like fear, anger, despair. And uh, the twelfth exercise of mindful breathing is to liberate yourself from that mental formation, like fear, anger, despair. And this is the twelve exercises on mindful breathing. And there is another set of four. All these are have been proposed by the Buddha. And uh, this is the third object of mindfulness. And the fourth object of mindfulness is called object of mind. Which means the world. This is about uh, perception, our perception of the world. Scientists will say that mm, this is a uh, nature comprising uh, galaxies, stars, sun, moon, trees, mountains, rivers, electrons, and so on. But in Buddhism, we say objects of mind. because everything depends on the mind. There's one thing you can be sure of. 
galaxies, our cosmos, our trees, our birds, our river, our mountains, they are at least the object of your mind. Because mind includes subject and object. And every mental formation also includes subject and object. To be angry is to be angry at something, at someone. You cannot be angry at nothing. So anger needs an object. Anger is a mental formation. Perception is a, a mental formation. To perceive means to perceive something. You cannot perceive uh, without an object. The perceiver and the thing that is perceived, they manifest at the same time. So sub subject and object, they inter are. You cannot take subject out of object and object out of subject. That is the nature of interbeing. It's like uh, yesterday we talked about that sheet of paper, the left and the right. You cannot take the right out of the left and the left out of the right. The same is true with perception, with the mind. Mind and object of mind into R. You cannot take one from the other. And modern science begin to realize that you can no longer be an observer. You have to be a participant. And that is why in Buddhism, since uh, 2,600 years ago, we don't, we don't say object of mind as the cosmos or nature. We call it by its two names, objects of mind, including cosmos, uh, uh, mountain, river, galaxies, and so on. And the fourth realm of mindfulness consists of uh, practice of concentration that have the power to liberate. And the 13 exercise on mindful breathing is the contemplation contemplating impermanence the 14 is contemplating the nature nature of non craving The 15 is to contemplate the nature of no birth and no death, which is a nirvana. Of no birth and no death, of, of what is there. And the 16 exercise is contemplating letting go. 
letting go of idea like being, non-being, birth, death, sameness, otherness. We will speak about this uh, later on in the retreat. So the, f- the last four sets of uh, exercise are the kind of practice of, um, of uh, concentration that help liberate us from afflictions and liberate us from the kind of uh, afflictions that make us suffer. Difference eating can be a deep meditation also. We know that uh, while eating, we focus our attention on the food and on the co-practitioners that, uh, that are with us. And we take the time to eat our lunch our breakfast, it can be very joyful. During breakfast time or lunch time, we can stop our thinking because the thinking always takes us away from the here and the now. When I pick up a piece of bread, I may spend one or two seconds. One second is now to recognize that is a piece of bread. That's mindfulness. And mindfulness has concentration in it. And one second of mindfulness and concentration allow me to see that this breath contains the whole cosmos. the rain, the cloud, the earth, time, space, farmers, everything. And when you see that, mindfulness, concentration, bring insight. And you can see the whole cosmos in the piece of bread. Very quick. Wherever there is mindfulness and concentration, there is insight. And when you put that piece of bread into your mouth, you are in touch with the whole cosmos. This is possible when you stop your your thinking. And while you chew the piece of bread, you are really in touch with the cosmos. Because no thinking is there to, to, to cut you off from reality. And it's possible to enjoy chewing the bread 
30 times. Even without butter, without jam, um, if you shoot 30 times, it becomes very tasty to try and see. And you can go to up to 40 times, 50 times, become very tasty, and when, when you swallow, it's already more than half digested. I have been in uh, Catholic uh, monasteries. I see the monks, uh, they don't pay attention to the food. While eating, they, they, they read the life of a saint. They want to take their mind off the food and uh, focus on the life, the virtues of uh, a saint. But in the Buddhist tradition, we do the opposite. We just focus our attention on the food. We see the food as the cosmos. If uh, in the Eucharist, you see the piece of bread as the body of Jesus, and then in the Buddhist tradition, we see the piece of bread as the body of the cosmos. And it takes only one second for you to recognize that the piece of bread in your hand is the body of the cosmos. Everything is there. Your piece of bread contains all information about the cosmos. And when you shoot mindfully, not thinking, you are in touch with the cosmos. And we can eat all, uh, every morsel of our breakfast or our lunch in that way. And from time to time, we stop eating and we are aware of the co-practitioners, brothers and sisters in the Dharma who are there. And that can help uh, uh, build uh, the spirit, the energy of brotherhood and sisterhood, joy and peace. In the Soto tradition, uh, they also eat a little bit too quickly. I think uh, to take time to eat, because uh, the time for lunch or breakfast can be a very happy time. We take time to enjoy our breakfast and our lunch. And uh, we get the nourishment not only by, uh, from the food, but from the joy of brotherhood, sisterhood, and the being in touch with the cosmos. So let us uh, try to enjoy our lunch today in that spirit. Enjoy lunch. Stop the thinking and being there fully body and mind.